What we're, we're going to look at is in Luke chapter 5. And I'm going to read beginning at verse 27 down to verse 32. Luke 5, 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Christ. We thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you would please teach us, continue to teach us from your word. Amen. Father, please be with me, uh, nervous as I am, uh, unworthy as I am to, to, to speak the truths from your word. Lord, here I am. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Amen. I pray you would just be with me and teach us by thy Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would show Christ to us, show us our need. I pray that you would press eternity on our minds as we come to this text. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> we're going to spend our time primarily focusing on the first three verses. I know I read uh, all the way to 32. Uh, and I want to just say by way of introduction um, that when we read verse uh, 31 and 32, and I'll go ahead and read it again, it says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That is Christ telling us, the purpose for which he has came into the world. Why Jesus came. He came not to call the righteous, but, but he came to call sinners to repentance. And, and what we're going to do in the short amount of time that we have left this evening, uh, we're going to look at an example of that. An example of Christ calling a sinner to repentance. And we can see that example in this portion in verses 27 through 29 in Matthew Levi or Levi. Um, Levi is Matthew. He's the same man that wrote the, the gospel of Matthew in our New Testament. Um, like Peter, uh, he has two names. As we call Peter, Simon Peter. Um, Levi is Matthew Levi. And, and I will um, refer to him as Matthew Levi in our time. Um, but what we are looking at is an example of Christ calling uh, a, a man who is a sinner to faith. Calling this sinner, Matthew Levi, to repentance. And we're going 
we're going to put our, 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 I guess a good way to say it, maybe our biographical lenses on. And we're going to examine this example. We're going to examine specifically this man, Matthew Levi, with the understanding that what happens here in his conversion, in his following Christ, what happens here is a, a portrait in principle of what happens when someone is born again and, and follows Christ. This is what becoming is, a, is an example for us, again, in principle, um, not exactly. There, there's no one here who's um, who's a tax collector like Levi. There, there's no one. It, it's he's a specific person in a specific time. But in principle, what happens to him is what happens to a Christian, and, and what happens with him and what he does is what being a Christian looks like. Amen. So let's let's dive into our text. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Now, he there, that's Christ Jesus. He says to Levi, follow me. Christ has, has just finished healing a, a paralytic man. And he has multitudes of people crowding around him and coming to him. And he is, he is teaching them. And then, what no one else there would have expected, there, there's nothing special about, about this man, Matthew Levi, that he sees. Out of all the multitudes, Christ walking, he's, he's uh, leaving Capernaum, he's walking out by the seaside, and he spots this one particular insignificant man. Yeah. This one man, and he, he, he zeroes in on him. Now, there's, again, there's nothing alluring about him. But what's, what's remarkable is, again, that Christ would consider this man, and he is a tax collector. He is a sinner. Yeah. Christ notices this sinner, Matthew Levi. A tax collector was a man that was a part of the lowest outcasts of society. And that's this man, Matthew Levi. He was a rascal. He was a very public sinner. It was known. He wasn't, he wasn't ashamed that he was a sinner. He was, he was a sinner of sinners. The, the Jewish people in that time, they knew that if you were a tax collector, you were a person that, that you were just publicly defying God. You were, you were not ashamed to be a sinner. And, and, that's, and that's this man. Tax collectors were were men that were greedy. They were rebellious. They were dishonest. They stole. And again, that's Matthew Levi, a tax collector. And Mark's gospel tells us that he was the son of Alphaeus. He was the son of devout Jewish parents. So we, we have a man here who knows what it is to be a Jew. He had been taught the Holy Scriptures as a child. He, he was... He was intelligent, um, and we can gather that because he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, the, the Gospel that we know to be written primarily to a Jewish audience. He, he knew what the law of God said about his tax collecting and thievery. He had been brought up by his, his father, his mother, to know the demands of God's law. He knew all too well what it was to be a Jew, and yet here we see Matthew Levi as a tax collector committing treason against his own Jewish people. 
forsaking all that he'd been taught growing up. He's rebelled openly against that, and he swung as far as he could go away from the way he was brought up, and now he's right in the very center of the gutter and the riffraff of his society as a tax collector. And just to kind of bring that a little further for us, just as an illustration, I think it's important because I want to bring this out, because a lot of times we hear the word tax collector and we say, well... I know that's bad, and we just kind of move on. But we don't really grasp how bad it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. This man was a traitor. He was a turncoat. Imagine living in the, a newly established America where you and your family and your friends, you're Americans, and then all the men you know, your uncles, your cousins, your brothers, maybe your dad and yourself, you go out and you're fighting in the Revolutionary War. And then just because uh, someone on the other side, the British, they offer you some money, you switch sides, and now you're fighting for the British. And you go out and you hunt down the same people that you were just fighting with, and, and you kill them, maybe some of your own family even. Uh, that, that's, that's kind of the type of man this is. If you were a tax collector, that's the type of traitor you were. Uh, maybe bring it a, a little closer for us. Imagine um, here, let's say... Uh, China was to invade our country and, and to take over. And they, uh, they put soldiers out everywhere. They, they put martial law out in the streets, maybe even here in Hidnight. And you decide, well, I'm going to go work for the Chinese and then I'm going to tax everyone here. That, 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 that's kind of the idea. I'm going to do this just so I can pad my own pockets and get a big chunk of change. That, that's a, a very close comparison of what Matthew Levi is doing. That, that's his lifestyle. And that's what he's doing even up to the very moment when Jesus sees him. Christ sees him in the tax booth. Christ sees him while he is still being a traitorous, thieving tax collector. Working for the Roman government uh, against the Jews, taking their money, overtaxing, padding his pockets, and, and giving the money that he's taken, maybe from his, even his own family, from other Jewish citizens and giving it to the Romans that have invaded his people. Matthew Levi openly and publicly lived an entire lifestyle unashamedly greedy and he was a traitorous man and then now we come to this one specific day where we, we come to this account this one day where just like every other day of his life he, he put his pants on he, or he got dressed and he went to his tax booth just a, another day and he's doing his tax collecting in his tax booth right, right where he is every other day doing his tax collecting and maybe on this specific day, he's been hearing rumors. Maybe for a couple of days now, weeks. He's been hearing rumors about this man, Jesus, that's been going through the land, cleansing lepers and healing paralytic men, declaring men's sins to be forgiven. He's heard. He's probably heard of this man, Jesus. But where is he? He's still sitting there apathetic to all of that, just sitting in his tax booth, still doing what he's always done, lining his pockets, still in his sin. But then now we have this moment, right as he is still in his tax booth tax collecting, and Christ Jesus notices him, comes to him, and tells him, follow me. 
This sinful, miscreant sinner with his hand caught still in the cookie jar has an encounter with Christ Jesus, the very Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity that has became a man and has came into the world not to call the righteous but, to, but sinners to repentance. And Christ Jesus says to him, follow me. And Matthew Levi is changed forever. This is what we can see as being born again. He is born again, made a new creature. Made a new creature. And Matthew Levi gets out of his tax booth. He treats that tax booth, that tax money, that tax collecting job, that tax collecting lifestyle with hatred, with disdain, with disgust. He doesn't want it anymore. He gets out of it and he leaves it. He stands up from the tax booth and he leaves everything behind. And he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, never to be the same again. Never to be the same again. Matthew Levi left his sin and he followed Christ. Then we see in verse 29, And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. We see right here that he made for the Lord a great feast in his house. Right away, following Matthew Levi's conversion, we can see him full of joy. A man... A man who throws a feast isn't walking around with a sour face. It, it, a feast is a thing a per person throws on, throws because he's full of joy. A feast is a time of merriment and gladness. He's full of joy to know the Lord. He's happy and joyful and glad to know the Lord Jesus. And we see his love for the Lord Jesus. We see his thankfulness and his readiness to serve Christ. And Matthew Levi brings Christ into his house. This man who has been a very public sinner, now a true follower of Christ, he's not satisfied just following Christ out in the street. He brings the Lord into his house, into his home, into the private places in his life. He brings the Lord into, into his home, and he has a great feast for Christ. And, and Christ's other disciples are, are there as well. He, he leaves everything. As following his conversion, immediately he has a desire to be with the Lord's people. To be, and to fellowship with the Lord's people and celebrate with thanksgiving. And, and at this great feast, Christ is the center focus. It's a feast for Christ to celebrate him. Matthew Levi shows his love and thankfulness for, for his Redeemer. We can see that. In this text, we now see this man, Matthew Levi, who once served and loved himself, loved his greed and his money, now with the Lord Jesus. This man who was once a, a traitor is now following Christ faithfully. Now with the Lord Jesus at the center of his affections, Christ has become everything to Matthew Levi. He has a love for the Lord Jesus. And the text says there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. Matthew Levi opened up his home 
And he invites a multitude of, of his friends, a multitude of, of other tax collectors. He, he's a tax collector, so he knows a lot of tax collectors. And he knows all the people that hang out with the riffraff of society, all the people that would be with tax collectors. He has sinners come into his house to meet in the Lord Jesus. He has a desire that they too would repent and follow Christ as he has. He has a desire that they would know Christ. And he begins sharing Christ with the lost. And he continues to do so. We can see that in this text. He brings these people into his home. He opens up his doors. And eventually God uses this man, Matthew Levi, to write the book of Matthew in our Bibles. He was, a, again, this is just a, a picture we can see of this man's life. I, but I just, I just want to point out, just in principle, that he was a horrid sinner. And then he has an encounter with Christ. And then he forsook his sin and began following Christ. And he continued to do so. If you profess to be a Christian, can you see, can you see a time in your life when I say, I was a sinner? I had an encounter with Christ, and now I am different. I forsook my sin, and I began following Christ, and I'm following Him today. Can you see that? It's, behold behold the, the magnificent grace of God in Matthew Levi's life, taking this man and transforming him so miraculously, something he couldn't do on his own. Behold the... the the glory of God's magnificent grace. But So just in closing, what I, I'd, I'd like you to consider is this. Have you had this happen to you? Really ask yourself that. And I want you to examine yourself and test yourself. See if you're in the faith. Were you once lost, living for self? And now, have you truly trusted in Christ? Now that you have truly trusted in Christ, are you truly different? If you've made a profession of faith, are you truly different than you once were? That, that's what happened to Matthew Levi. That happened to him. And we can see this biographical account with him. Now, uh, I, 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 I have seven things, just by way of application, just seven specific principles that, that we should be sharing in common with Matthew Levi. We should. You should be sharing these seven specific principles in common with Matthew Levi if you are truly a Christian yourself. The first one is a visible change. A radical change. Maybe, maybe you are a small child. Maybe the change is more inward. But you should be able to see a change in your life when that which you once lived for is not what you live for now. Can you look at your life and see where you ha have looked unto Christ for salvation and now your life is not the same sinful life you once lived? Have you been radically transformed where you are no longer what you once were? Have your affections been changed? Can you see and can others see that there is something different about this person now that they have become a Christian? If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creature. You must be born again. Examine yourself. Number two, this, the, the second principle that we should have in common with, with Matthew Levi is that we have forsook our sin. 
The question is not merely do you hate sin. The question is do you hate sin enough that you have, like Matthew Levi, left it? Have you left your sin? Have you left it behind? If you have not forsaken sin, you're not a Christian. Examine yourself. See if you are in the faith. Seriously look at your life. As a style, an overall style of life, has your life changed? Have you left living for sin? Don't be deceived. The wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. Examine yourself. Number three, the third thing that we should have in common with Matthew Levi is that we should be following Christ. Are you following Christ? Forsaking sin is not enough. There are many people who, are, who live moral, upstanding lives. Many people that, that do a lot of things on the surface look right. right. There's many people that are able to stop drinking, stop, stop doing drugs, stop, stop cheating on their spouse. There's many people that can forsake sin. But are they walking in a path of righteousness? Right. Are they doing righteousness? Are, are you bringing every aspect of your life to the Bible? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Do you have communion with God? Do you come to the Scriptures and say, I, I, I am following Christ. I will not do it my way. I must do it the Lord's way. And then do it. Is Christ Lord of your life? Or are you your own Lord? If He is not, you have never truly known Him. If we are to be Christ's disciples, we must deny ourselves and follow Him. Examine yourself. Number four. The, the fourth principle that we should have in common and share with Matthew Levi is a love for the Lord Jesus. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Again, Christianity is not just, just doing the stuff we're not stopping doing the stuff we're not supposed to do. It's not just giving up sin. And it's also not just begrudgingly waking up and reading my Bible every day and begrudgingly doing all these things. Do you obey Christ because you love Him? Is Christ more sweet to your soul than anything else? Do you know what it is to have a gladness and joy in communion with Him? Do you have joyful worship? There, there's, there's something there that, that cannot be imitated. You, you can imitate all the outward things, but inwardly, you know, between you and the Lord, is there a loving joy for the Lord? Is there a joy there? If the Lord Jesus Christ is not everything to your soul, if He's not the center of your affections, He's not the center of your life, on the last day you, you will be cast away. Mm. Examine yourself. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Number five, the fifth principle that we should have in common with Matthew Levi, if we are, if we are Christian, the fifth thing is Christ in our home. Christ brought into our home. Are you a Christian just on Sunday? We, we, we can't follow each other around with cameras. We can come here. We can say, well, we all sing the same songs. We listen to the preaching. No one's running away. The preaching is, is better than anywhere else. These people are sitting here. They must be Christian too. But we can't follow each other into each other's homes. Is Christ in your home? Is He in your private life? Do you have a private personal devotion with Christ? Do you know Christ? Is it, or is it just something you do on Sunday? Is, is, 
Is Christ in your home? Or are you just a follower of Christ in public? Are you just a follower of Christ on Facebook? Or, or are you just a follower of Christ in a, on evangelism day? Or are you a follower of Christ when no one is looking? Amen. When no one else knows what's going on, are you a follower of Christ? Do you have family worship in your home? Or, or, or are, you, are you talking to your kids about the Lord frequently? Or is it just something you do maybe in this time that you just have to do? Is, is Christ the Lord of your home? Or is TV? Or is hobbies? Or is hunting, fishing, or, or video games? Or, or, or whatever else? Or is Christ Lord in your home? Is, is, is Christ in your home? Is He the center of your home? Christianity is not a show. Are you a hypocrite or are you a real Christian? Examine yourself. Number six. The sixth thing that we should share in common with Matthew Levi is a joyful love for the brethren. Just as Matthew Levi wanted to have a huge feast with the Lord and his disciples and eat with Christ, do you love to be around others who love the Lord Jesus? Or is it a kind of hell for you to be with those who love and exalt Christ? Do you just say you love other Christians? Or can that be seen practically in your life? Can it, is it, can it be visibly evidenced that you love the brethren? Make no doubt about it. If you do not love those in the body of Christ, you do not love Christ either. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Examine yourself. Number seven, sharing the gospel. That's the seventh thing that we should have in common, a principle that we should share with Matthew Levi. Matthew Levi brings, brings Christ into his house. The feast he has is for Christ. Christ is the center. It, it's not as though he says, well, we're going to have a, a, a bouncy house and everyone come here and eat. And then we're going to spring Christ on people. He has Christ in his home. Christ is the center here. And because he, he, he loves the Lord Jesus, he wants the Lord to be glorified. He wants the glory of God to shine forth. And he, so he brings in everyone he knows, come and look and see what the Lord has done for me. Look at Christ. He has a desire to share Christ. Do you tell others of Christ? If you do not share the gospel with others, you have legitimate reason to wonder if you, have, if you truly have saving faith yourself. A genuine gospel faith never makes a person think only of their own salvation. Instead, it stirs them up to con the concern of the souls of others. Do you share the gospel? Are you zealous for Christ? Do you desire to see him exalted in every heart and in every place? Or are you opening up your home like Matthew Levi to the lost and inviting sinners to sit down to your dinner table and tell them of Christ? Are you often sharing the gospel with your kids? As been said, is that something you're doing intentionally? Are you often sharing the gospel with those you come in contact with? Or are you looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Are you concerned for the souls of those that are on their way to hell? And can that concern truly be seen in the way you're living your life? 
Do you desire to see the glory of Christ proclaimed? Or are you apathetic? And just only consumed with your own agenda. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. And when I go out and just, I know we've been here for a while. When I, when I go out and I knock on doors, and a lot of you know this, when I go out and I, I talk to people at Walmart and different things, the first thing people do is they say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't need a tract. I don't need to hear about the Lord Jesus. Don't tell me anything about Christ. I'm a Christian. I have a church. I go somewhere. I'm going somewhere tonight. I'm a Christian. And so then... The first question that I, I try to always ask, can you tell me how you know you're a Christian? And they have nothing to say. I mean, just almost unanimously across the board. They have nothing to say. They are almost offended that, that, that you would ask them. It, it's, it's a taboo question in, in, our, in our Bible Belt society to ask someone, how do you know you're saved? People are offended. They say, well, how dare you challenge my salvation. Don't, don't question my salvation. There, there's something worse than someone questioning your salvation. It's, it's, it's that you're truly not saved and you die and go to hell. So test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine your life. See if your experience is, is lining up with what we see with this man, Matthew Levi. We see accounts like this all throughout the Gospels, all throughout the New Testament. This is what happens when a person is converted. They change they stop doing what they're doing, and they change. They repent. They live a different style of life, and they live for the Lord Jesus, and they continue in it. Yeah. Let's pray.